We return this morning to Matthew chapter 8. Our text is verses 14 and 15. I would like to read as we begin 14 to 17, which encompasses our text for this morning and next Lord's Day, should the Lord tarry. I pray that he does not. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. We'll stop right there. Father, we are compelled as we come to this third little vignette of record of interaction of the Lord Jesus when down from the mountain. We are compelled because of the topic that is introduced not only for today but next Lord's Day, namely, sick people. People have been sick. Some people are sick. It's clear that the Lord Jesus at a point in time, in order to attest, in order to affirm the reality of his person and the significance of his work, not only healed, but healed all. And yet, as we look back through history, we see that both sinners and saints have been sick. And today, we recognize that there are indeed sinners and saints who are sick. Can't help but think of the Apostle Paul, who at one stage of his public ministry healed many sick folk. And yet towards the end of his ministry wrote, Trophimus, I have left at Miletus sick. Help us then to think right about sickness, about affliction, about the text, about the Christ, about our lives in honor for you here and now. Thank you for each one that is here to hear. And bless now in these moments we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Last Sunday, whether you knew it or not, was National Grandparents' Day. And if you missed it, as a grandparent, I say, good. The assigning of calendar days to honor relationships is unnecessary 
in the lives of those that possess and maintain relationships of the godly sort. No godly husband needs Valentine's Day. And I tell you that the last thing that we need on the calendar is another national day. That's why when last Tuesday I saw his National Encouragement Day, I thought, I'm going to write on that just to contradict myself because they don't expect it today. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But nonetheless, you understand where I'm coming from. Nonetheless, if you enjoyed last Sunday in being honored by your family as a grandparent, well, I'm genuinely happy for you. I really am. I, I wouldn't take anything away from that. By the way, Grandmother's Day is not until January 21st. And I cannot recommend that you would wait until then to, wait, to express your love and care for Grandma if, in fact, she's still among you. If she's here, then get to it pretty quick would be my advice. Today, we have before us in the account of Scripture a thrilling thing concerning a grandmother uh, meeting the Lord Jesus. This is the third miraculous vignette brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit through the pen of Matthew to help us see the authority and the ability of Jesus the Christ. Following the Messiah's manifesto uh, in Matthew 5 to 7, Matthew draws our attention to a series of miraculous incidences that demonstrate the fact that Jesus both spoke and acted as God. Furthermore, the Lord's attention immediately following the manifesto was directed to some unusual and highly unlikely recipients. We saw a leper. We heard of a Roman leader. And now we speak of a lady. As we previously bore evidence, many Jewish men of the period embraced an ungodly attitude towards slaves, towards Gentiles, and towards women. But the Jewish man of men, the one we rightly know to be the king of kings, lovingly exercised himself to help slaves, to help Gentiles, and women as he demonstrated his divine authority and ability on this earth. The case of Peter's mother-in-law affords us to see the macro principle of the Lord's authority and ability once again, along with the opportunity to speak frankly about those of God's people who are physically sick. Let me set the scene here before us uh, uh, with somewhat of a modernized uh, summary uh, based upon a little bit of projection into the text. Her adult daughter rushed about preparing for the return of her husband. He was bringing company. There was much to do. Ever since mother had lost dad, she lived in the daughter's home with her husband, the fisherman, Cephas. The old widow woman delighted to be with some of her family, 
and engaged actively in the domestic duties ever pressing upon that home. Now, she was blessed, and she was a blessing. But then, she fell sick. Her energy was drained. She struggled mentally with her inability to be of any real help to her daughter in the duties of the home. And as her condition worsened, she slept more than she was awake, and she could barely muster to get out of bed. Some medical experts project that she likely suffered from malaria. And the report from Dr. Luke in the New Testament era said that she suffered from a great fever at this time, indicating that she was likely near unto death. Luke 4, 39. But then, as our text records, Grandma met Jesus. And wow, what a transformation. I want to walk through the text today, uh, particularly looking at the interaction of the Lord Jesus in that home uh, through the eyes of that uh, mother-in-law, through the eyes of that grandma, as it were. And as we do, we begin with Grandma seen. Verse 14, and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Jesus saw grandma laying down and sick with a fever. Mark tells us that Jesus entered the home with Peter and Andrew. And uh, along with their fishing buddies, John and James. Mark also tells us that those early disciples of Christ uh, told him about Peter's mother, uh, uh, likely before they got to the house. Jesus saw the old widow woman in the same way that a medical doctor sees a patient. Many of you have heard the words from a nurse Many of you have heard the words from a receptionist, the doctor will see you now. And in that same sense of, he'll see you, is the record of the Lord Jesus concerning this grandma. One of the cherished things that a physically sick believer can always be confident of is that the heavenly doctor will see you now. If you're sick, listen, the heavenly doctor will see you now. And while immediately well is not the will of God for many of us in the seasons of life, nothing prevents you from the attention of the great physician at any time or in any place. Jesus saw Grandma and I am absolutely confident to declare to you this morning that Jesus will be glad to see you. He will be glad to see you 
in his role as the great physician. It may not result in your physical healing, but it will certainly result in the saving of your soul, even if you've been saved. Grandma seen. Number two, grandma sensed. Take verses 14 and 15a, and we have this word concerning he touched her hand, and the fever left her. The word fever literally translates fiery. Grandma was on fire internally, and her physical misery was at a heightened sense of overload. When a child of God is sick, there is often a sensory overload. Sick people surely do not feel well, but sick people also often do not think right, and they even can come to seriously doubt in the darkness of sickness that which they have always believed in the light. Six people suffer, certainly in the body, but oftentimes the worst of the sickness is in the mind and in the soul. Herein we, without the authority and ability of the Lord to restore quickly, we are left to minister to the infirmed by physical comforting practices and the offering of godly perspective and right thinking as shared from the scriptures. I personally believe that the uh, charismatic push and the push of modern Christianity Uh, to give the indication that any sick person is somehow only sick because they don't have enough faith, is of our adversary, the devil. You surely do not help a sick person by telling them that if they just really, really, really trusted the Lord, they wouldn't have this garbage coming out of them and all around them in the ebb and flow of life. In this case, the century overload of grandma fell quiet at the Lord's touch of her hand. Did the old woman recognize the presence of the kingly visitor before he grabbed her hand? Did the old woman recognize him? We don't know. But upon the touch of the master's hand, we are told, the fever left her. The text says Jesus touched her hand. Think of that. He touched her hand. How dignified, how appropriate, how minimum, how wonderfully effective. And again, I tell you that the word touched here in verse 15, like the word touched back in verse 3, means to grab or to grasp. Doesn't have that idea of that finger coming down from heaven and the finger going up and a touch of two fingers. No, it has the idea of grabbed the hand. Jesus took her hand, and, uh, and uh, all was well with 
grandma. Jesus grasped grandma's hand and the will of Jesus to relieve her was immediate. This would be a good portion of the word of God to sing when you, uh, it's a good portion of the word of God to think about when you sing uh, that, that old gospel song, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me through. Uh, that'd be a good text to have in mind. Grandma uh, sensed uh, the Lord's touch. Uh, from the best of what I've read, I, I think that Grandma may have not been completely out of it, but was delirious enough with the high fever that she had that she probably didn't have a present sense of God in her life until the Lord God grabbed her hand. And that reminds me of another old gospel song, old quartet song uh, that uh, says uh, to the Lord, Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Uh, there's something very uh, precious about recognizing just how dependent we are upon the Lord our God. Grandma sensed. Number three, Grandma stood. She arose, says the text. We would expect the body would be weak and need obvious rest and replenishment of strength following the departure of a serious sickness. But here, Grandma was saved from her sickness for her service. That's coming next. But it's a from for healing. It's a from for healing. She's delivered from for something. Here the saving of Grandma's from was immediate. And it was followed by immediate strengthening of Grandma for Mark tells us that Jesus lifted her up by the hand, Mark 131. Uh, Jesus put her on her feet, and we know that whom the Lord lifts, whom the Lord promotes, cannot go in a direction otherwise. If the Lord lifts you up, you're up. If the Lord puts you down, you're down. And the Lord lifted her up. Jesus is the saving and the strengthening one out of heaven. His glorious authority and his glorious ability are on full display in this little third vignette that follows uh, the coming down of the Lord Jesus from the hilltop and the authoritative communication of words he spoke as God. He acted as God. That's the macro point that's being driven home here as we read these vignettes. Grandma stood. And then finally, as you might guess, Grandma served. Verse 15, uh, C says, And she arose and ministered unto them. The word ministered is otherwise translated to deacon. Grandma was herein immediately a deaconess on the whole household domestic team. She served them. She used the strength that the Lord gave her to serve. 
as was apparent in that home and at that time. She surely took special delight <laughs> to minister to Jesus in some domestic ways that were uh, true and characteristic of the hosp hospitality in that home. She did not apparently trouble herself with thoughts of how she would help, how she would serve. She just used her renewed strength to jump right in. All the wasted mental energy in believers' mind who think they had to figure out how they might serve the Lord. Uh, a number of people think that the only way to serve the Lord is either in a pulpit or at the piano. And if you uh, don't preach and you don't play the piano, well, then it would seem that you might be in trouble. But this matter of serving the Lord is really a lot more simple than God's people make it. And that is the fact that God's people simply respond, they react in real time to what the need is. I saw a lot of that going on yesterday among our congregation as we worked together to put our, our best community foot forward at Harvest Fest. It was a good day yesterday. I thank those of you that were praying. I do believe God heard and answered our prayers. But surely Grandma, back to our text, took delight in serving the Lord Jesus, and she, and she used her renewed strength to just uh, get busy helping and assisting she did what was obvious to be done. And there's something very refreshing concerning the aspect of God's people when they just take the mentality that they'll do what needs to be done in order to put the gospel foot first and foremost in a moment of time. I can certainly, in my sanctified imagination, envision Peter's wife hugging Grandma in the kitchen as she returned to health and service. Hey, Ma! It's good to see you! I can envision something like that uh, taking place. But the point that I would draw from that by way of devotional application for us is this, that service for Christ is defined by actual living conditions. Service is defined by actual living conditions. Now, there are many ways in which we can apply this account, but surely we can see here in a pattern, a pattern that does and should relate to our own spiritual reality in Christ, namely, saved by the Lord, strengthened in the Lord to serve the Lord and his people with gladness. Certainly there is a devotional application here in which the physical becomes a microcosm of the spiritual reality, saved by grace, strengthened by grace, serving the Lord with gladness. Grandma was touched by the Savior's hand. Grandma was lifted and strengthened upon the Savior's arm, and Grandma served the Lord and his people gladly. Surely we can see 
a devotional application in all that. Uh, this would certainly improve upon uh, that old Baptist mantra of get saved and get serving by saying uh, saved, strengthened, and serving is the will of God for us all in Christ. We must also take from this account, as I indicated even as we opened in prayer, and we must also take from this account uh, some devotional application regarding ministering to the sick. And there is some goofiness about the way that God's people pray for the sick. Uh, as if God really only has one option. And that is that every broken arm be healed. That every crooked toe be straightened. That every nose out of joint be uh, put back in place. And so when you listen to God's people pray, it sounds like this. Oh God, help. I need a name. Harry. I don't think we got one here. Uh, help Harry uh, with his broken leg so that he can run uh, a marathon like Levi Moss. Listen, Harry never ran marathons before. Why would he start running them now? Just because he's got a healed leg. But does God only have the heal the leg option for you, for me? We are so quickly grabbed by the obvious thing. Lord, I don't want a broken leg. Heal my leg. And please, 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 don't let me have ever any pain ever again, ever again, ever again, ever again. Heal the leg. No pain. No pain. Heal the leg. No pain. Let me run marathons I never ran before. That's not a good way to pray. Listen, a number of you have been sick. I've been sick. And I know that people praying for you like that doesn't help. Because it is too directed upon the realm of the physical. What is it that I really need when I face affliction of sickness? What is it I really need? I'll tell you what I really need. Stronger faith. Stronger faith to say, God, I love you and I trust you no matter what. What I really need is faith that will take the affliction and say with David, God, you are faithful in the way you afflict your people, including me. And then poise the soul to trust him, to love him, to honor him, no matter what. That's the path of greatest testimony that's the path of real relief. And there have been times that I've asked the Lord for a physical thing, and he has graciously granted it to me. And sometimes in ways in which I would have to say, I kind of almost had a grandma experience. <laughs> and yet, I would also say, most often, not. I do believe that passages like this as we introduce the topic today, and then as we build upon it next week, 
with the broader aspect of the Lord's interaction with the crowd, I believe that passages like this allow us to think about what is involved in ministering to people that are sick and feeble among us. John Piper, our buddy, still alive last time I checked, references this text, among others, when teaching pastors and church leaders how to help God's people hold faith and deal with personal calamity when faced among the people of God. Let me just read you the couple sentences of the opening of his recommendation to young pastors. He says, you pray, asking God for his help for you and for those that you want to minister to. Ask him for wisdom and compassion and strength and a word fitly chosen. Ask those who are suffering to look to God with you as their help and hope and healing and strength. Ask that he would make your mouth a fountain of life. I can't help but think whenever I consider the topic of sickness, I can't help but think of uh, of the Apostle Paul's experience. Here's the Apostle Paul. He has this dramatic salvation experience on the Damascus Road, Acts 9. Most of you know a lot about that. And uh, he gets saved, and he goes through an extended period of training at the hands of the Lord Jesus in the Arabian Desert. And, uh, and after an extended period of time, he shows up preaching. And uh, people are, are trusting the Lord. And along with his preaching as an apostle of Jesus Christ is the affirmation of Paul's preaching with the miraculous. And Paul enjoys a long season of uh, ability from the Lord to validate the gospel of Christ that he's preaching to Gentiles with signs and wonders, with the miraculous. And yet, as Paul comes to the uh, senior years of his life, he not only has things that he would ask the Lord to take away that God said, no. But Paul then has friends in the gospel, like Trophimus, who are faithful laborers and co-workers together with Paul. And Paul, at the time in which he wrote 2 Timothy, which most Bible scholars refer to as Paul's swan song, uh, his last written communication before God takes him, uh, Paul says that uh, in the final greeting section of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20, he says that uh, all these co-workers are here and there, and he greets these and those, and then he says, Trophimus, my dear one Trophimus, my helpful believer out of the congregation in, in Ephesus. Trophimus was from Ephesus, teens, studying Ephesians. Trophimus was from Ephesus, and he was a faithful believer, and, and Paul was able to tap him for missionary help. And Paul had to say uh, towards the end of his life, Trophimus, I have left at Miletus sick. 
I can almost hear Paul <laughs> as he would be talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, you used me so wonderfully to heal and to help in physical ways people as I preach the gospel of Christ. And now, here's my brother. Here's your child. And he's sick. And Lord, from the view that we have here on earth, there ought to be no sickness here. And yet, Trophimus, that dear one of God, is sick. And I've talked to you and talked to you about relieving his sickness, and you have not. And so today, Lord, I'm going to go to Trophimus, and I'm going to say, Trophimus, what do you think we should do? You're here in Miletus with me, and you're sick. You obviously cannot go with me. If, we, if I go on in missionary endeavor, if I go on in gospel advance, you obviously cannot go on with me. What would you have me do, Trophimus? I won't leave you here without your agreement to do so. And Trophimus, bless his pea-picking heart, says, oh, Paul, please go. Please go. Please continue on in gospel work and ministry, taking the glorious message of Christ to other places as long as God gives you ability I'm trusting God as I lay here in Miletus sick. Isn't it a shame that many, many of God's people don't know the name Trophimus? And the reason we don't is because we haven't searched the scriptures in order to know how to minister to people when they're sick. We all know that God can take any sickness away like that, right? And he did it here. We need to do better, knowing us that none of us doubt the power of God to heal. None of us here doubt the ability of God to restore physical health for individuals today. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that God chooses, most usually, not to do that. God chooses, most usually, to relieve the soul of his child while leaving the body as afflicted until the time of death and ultimate redemption. It is likewise appropriate to cite the promises of God's word, to pray that the sick eyes would be open to God's wonders and that troubled hearts would be united to fear him, taking satisfaction in his love as proven by the cross. And let me just add that this instruction from the scriptures concerning ministering to the sick is likewise the way that you should talk to every old person
who says, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't know why God has left me here. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to meet the Lord. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Is not the why of life obscured to most of us all of the time? Leave your why with God. He makes no mistake. And while it is difficult, if not impossible, for us to answer why, as the children of God often left sick, we do know that the misery of God's people shouts. And if I use the words of Piper here, quote, earthly life is short, and fragile, eternity waits before every person and man-centered ambitions are tragic, end quote. It is God's will to bring you to a time where the doctor can't help you. It's God's will to bring you to a time where there is no one on earth to turn to but God. And if God brings you to that day, thank him for it and look to him. Look to him. Look to him. Look to him. And thank him for it. On this particular day of record, Grandma of the biblical record was saved, strengthened, and served. And as a result of that, the authority and the ability of the Lord Jesus was better known for the faith and confidence of many. You and I should have great faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus and understand the blessing that we can be when we share our confidence with others, especially the believing sick who are among us. My dead buddy Spurgeon wrote of fevers and when I read his insights a couple of months ago, I began to pray for me and mine and you and yours along these lines. Spurgeon said that God has promised to relieve his children from the mist of earthly fear and the fevers of anxiety whenever his people turn to him in prayer. Spurgeon said that regardless of whatever else may be or not be true of the will of God for you in the moment, it is always the will of your heavenly Father and of Christ your Savior and of the indwelling Spirit to relieve you of every sense of futility and the thought of divine abandonment as you bear up in prayer. Sickness often causes people to say everything is vain 
sickness often causes people to think, God has left me. Spurgeon said, you can deal with those things by prayer. By praying yourself and being prayed for. There's the ministry of prayer that you and I can have in the life of one another. May Christ, the Christ of the eternal light, dispel the heat, the fever of earthly night that may come upon you. Saints, over 2,000 years of experience give testimony that if physical healing is not the will of God for you in the short run, you may be sure of good relief in soul if you turn to the Lord. And by the way, if you are sick and somebody says, how you doing? And you, and you get that, that, stuck, that stuck thing in your throat because you're not exactly sure how to answer because to say good would be a lie. I would suggest you say, I'm good in the soul. I'm good in the soul. I'm good in the soul. We serve the God of salvation. We serve the God of strengthening. We serve the God of sanctification. We get to rejoice in the fact based upon the plain truth of the scripture, that there is for us a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, God's own Son. Father, thank you for this devotionally compelling text of scripture that helps us to once again take in mind and heart the reality of your authority and your ability demonstrated in Jesus Christ on the earth for the eyes of men. But thank you, too, that it helps us to know better how to minister one to another to the honor and glory of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. 201 in your hymn book, please. Let's stand together as we sing. There is...